morning. Oh, we can do better than that. Come on, let's give God a little bit of praise. He is working. You might not see it, but he promised to complete that which concerns you. Not just complete it, perfect that which concerns you. You got a problem that's not perfect yet, guess what? He's at work, amen? Come on, let's give him a little bit of praise, a little bit of glory, a little bit of honor, he's worthy of it. Well, welcome everybody, welcome everybody online, particularly the men of Lansing Correctional, we love you guys. I'm excited because in a couple weeks, I'm gonna be there live with you, that's awesome. Hey, if you wanna get involved at Lansing, and uh, we'd love to have you. Um, why don't you raise your hand here, Zach, look at Zach, everybody. Zach helps lead that team. Come talk to Zach. You might be trying to get out early to go to brunch and I just ruined that for you, I'm sorry. Everybody good? Happy birthday, Cameron, you good? Good, okay, everyone grab your seat. Let's thank the worship team as always, what a great job. I, I like it when Jutson sings. It's just low. I need that, especially today. Had a little head cold this week that uh, the Chiefs game did not help. I went in and thinking like, okay, I'm not gonna yell. I'm not gonna cheer, but I gotta just be me, you know? So we got wild, it's great. Hey, good to have everybody here. If you're here for the first time or maybe you're here for the first time in a long time, we're honored to have you in God's house. Uh, we believe at Kingdom City Church, we are building people who bring heaven to earth. And the way we're building, and I think this year in particular, every year we've had a Bible reading plan, but this year we call it a Bible year. And we are building every sermon and every message, the mass majority of them, of what we're currently reading in the scripture, uh, what we're gonna be reading in the coming week, or maybe what we read the week before. And we're just gonna kind of stay in the flow of this amazing book that truly will build your life. And today is a life building message. I'm gonna warn you. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, well, it's not me. I think it's the Holy Spirit. It's gonna maybe punch some places of your life, poke some places of your heart. And I'd encourage you just to receive by the grace of God, what does it mean to you? And what is God maybe asking of you where it comes to real growth and development of your calling and of your, of your character? Uh, this week, we're gonna be in uh, Matthew, Matthew 18 in our Bible reading. That's where we're gonna kick off today. It says this, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, who then is gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and, and then he placed the child among the disciples and said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I don't think today's message is gonna wow you. I don't think it's uh, something that you haven't, if you've been a believer for a while, you haven't heard before. If you've been here long enough, you've probably heard a similar thematic message as the one you're gonna hear today. And I don't believe it's new information for many of you, but it is catalytic to your calling and the life that God has for you. So while it's not sensational, it truly is transformational. And it is a checkup message, I think, particularly for those who have been in church or following Jesus for a long time just to let the mirror that is the word of God reflect some places where God wanna bring some more change and more growth. I wanna speak from the thought and the title of the missing ingredient to greatness. And I am tricking you with that title. 
because everybody wants more greatness in your life. But Jesus teaches us that the way to greatness is humility. So if you want greatness, you desire growth in your life, real achievement of significance that matters, ultimately matters for eternity, you need more humility at work in your life. This world is crazy, and Jesus sets it back in order with the upside-down kingdom, that the way up is down, that the way to be mature is to be like a child, that God's real promotion, that the high honor of the kingdom of God is given to men and women who will take a low position, that don't need the credit, that don't need the acclaim, but would instead give God all the glory, the missing ingredient to greatness. We're all on track for that today. Is that cool? Can we pray? Get our hearts ready to hear what God wants to say to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everyone in the room, everyone watching. Thank you for the men of Lansing. I thank you for growth in every one of our lives. And as the Bible is open, I think our hearts are open as well. That we're looking for something that we can apply even today. So Holy Spirit, we invite your investigation. We thank you that you're gonna change us and you change us by the grace of God, not by our own works, but we're ready to get to work, not just to hear, but to do. And so we thank you for what you're doing in this church and what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you that you're gonna grow us and that there is greatness in front of us. Lord, we turn our heart and attention to the ankle of our quarterback. And uh, if it matters to us, God, it matters to you. So we pray that every fiber, every muscle, every tendon would function the way you intended it to function. In Jesus' name, amen. I was at the game. I'll be honest with you. I, I prayed that back. I prayed him back on the field. And uh, yeah, no, just that is not true. Years ago, they discovered a man that was caught up in an avalanche. Uh, sadly, they found him and uh, his demise, he had died. But the saddest part of it is he was, uh, the avalanche originally only covered him about five feet deep. They found him 30 feet beneath the surface because he was disoriented and began to dig the wrong way. This life, our flesh, the culture around us will disorient you. It, it is constantly in conflict with what the kingdom of God, the way that God really works. We are wired in this world to think like the world thinks, but that's why we've been given the word and the Holy Spirit that always work in unison so that we can have a true north of right direction. So there are people, and maybe it's people in the room, that you are climbing up to something, but you're on the wrong ladder. You are headed to something you think is significant but it is not the most significant thing that God has for, for your life. You might be living your life by the wrong metrics. I do believe God is a God of promotion. He is a God of God of blessing and even a God of provision. But God has a different way of doing things. So when we are born again out of this world, we've gotta build our life according to a Bible way of thinking. And this teaching of Jesus, as he's answering this question from his disciples, he doesn't say that, 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 that the world works, everything wrong, and everything about it's bad. And he says, no, if you really want a life of greatness, if you really want a life of significance, in the kingdom of heaven, you gotta be more like this kid. This kid in his low position actually puts you in the place of prominence where it truly matters the most. 
And God wants humility, not just from you. Ultimately, he wants it for you. Because a humble heart is a heart that a father God can promote and bless. The Bible says in James, he gives, what, grace to the humble. But before he says that, it says he actually opposes the proud. When you have it all figured out, God is not helping you really prosper or thrive or grow. But if you can carry the heart of humility, there is a special avenue and allotment of the grace of God, which is what will actually grow your life and your future. Proverbs 16, 18, you know this passage. Pride comes before a... Well, actually, it says destruction. I tricked you there. But, but the, the haughty spirit comes before a fall. But pride comes before, comes before destruction. No one would want destruction. And no one would want to know, like, I want more pride in my life. It is that hidden, secret, sinister spirit of the heart that could be costing you more than you know. Like, it isn't long before. In fact, we see this all the time. People that look like they've got it all together, before you know it, everything falls apart. We see it in Hollywood. We see it in the corporate world. People that have everything at their disposal, all of a sudden, things come falling down. Why? It was built on an image that wasn't a true uh, representation of the reality. It, It looks like it's all working, but really, the grace of God was not working in that situation. I love how the message paraphrase says the same passage. First pride, then the crash. So if there's pride in our lives, it's only a matter of time before the bubble is popped or before things get exposed. And this is why as believers, we need to show up in our time in the word, in our time of worship, in our time in community with hearts that are open to investigation, not in hiddenness, because anything that is prideful in our heart eventually will lead to a demise, a destruction, or to a decay. Psalms 138, in fact, let's show it from the the New Living Translation, the, the second passage there. It says, though the Lord is great, or that God is in a high great place, he, he, what? he cares for the humble. How many want the care of God in your life? I want more of God to care about my life. But it says he keeps a distance from the proud. And some of you feel like God is distant in some area of your life. Hey, I'll tell you, it happens to all of us. Pastors included. There are times when I feel like God isn't as close as I would desire. But instead of saying, God, where are you at? You might need to ask yourself, what is in me where I have pushed you out because I act like I've got my plan and I could do things my way instead of having that humble heart where I can have the care of heaven and the care of God at work. Why does God have this major problem with our pride? I believe it's this, that every good thing that God's gonna do on the earth, he's gonna do it through ordinary people like you and me. And when there is a pride or we're the center of our own universe or we've got it all figured out, we actually push him out of our need and desire for his grace at work in our life. And then we cannot be the kind of people where God can bless, promote, bring greatness to and do great things through. And so your heavenly father will even allow the crash or the fall or the bursting of the bubble in order to get you to a spirit or heart of humility because it is that kind of heart he can help and he can grow to change 
the world. So before he can do anything good or great through you, he has to do something new in you. And the hindrance to the greatness of God at work in our life is this control factor, this pride factor that, friends, is on the inside of all of us. Some of the least successful people I've ever met have some great pride and insecurity at work in their life as well. This is not for the people that look like they have it all together. This is for every single one of us. Ernest Kurtz wrote a book about the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I just love the title of the book. The title of the book is called Not God. Not God. He says the fundamental problem that addicts have is that way down deep, they refuse to acknowledge limitation, weakness, being finite, being fallen. They tend to live under the delusion that they're in control of everything. But we all know the truth is they can't even control themselves. They think they're better than they are. So for us to say, I'm not God, is to acknowledge I've got a weakness and a limitation, which, friends, doesn't make you less than. It makes you humble, and in that humble heart, God can pour out his favor, his grace, and can grow your life into something, into something great. The need for power and control started from the very beginning. The first bad decision ever the Garden of Eden. They were given this one thing not to do, this one thing to leave alone. Everything else, all the greatness of perfection of creation was theirs for the picking. They were given this one thing not to do, and they're like, you know what? You're not gonna tell me what I can't do. Hold my apple, I'm doing what I wanna do. Watch me work. And from there, there was the deception of the enemy that you're gonna be what? just like God, that you're going to have all the answers, you're going to have it all figured out, you're going to know the right thing to do, the right thing to say, you're going to be the master of your own universe, he-man. Um, that was a joke that only 80s kids are going to get, thank you. You don't have to submit. You, you, don't, you can take the credit for yourself. You can live and make up your own rules. You can act like God. And although you might not be addicted to a substance, I think you need to know you're not God because you might have an approval addiction. You might have an achievement addiction. You might have an advancement addiction, an applause addiction of the people around you. So when Jesus answers the question of how do you become great, of how do you have significance, how do you grow in your achievement, he brings in a child. He doesn't say you need more faith. He doesn't say you need a, a more spiritual giftedness. He doesn't say you gotta fast and pray more, although that is a heart that shows humility. He doesn't say you need a long track record of obedience. He doesn't even say you need sacrifice. He says you've gotta change by choosing to be low, by choosing not to make everything about you. You gotta be more like this kid. And while humility is not one of the fruit of the Spirit, I believe personally it is the, 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 the soil to which every good God thing grows in your life because in that place, what? He can give you more grace. He can pour out the water and bring the sunshine to grow all the God things in our lives. So a humility is not a fruit of the Spirit, but meekness is. Meekness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the 
meek. Jesus says in his incredible sermon on the mount, what? And they're gonna inherit, where they inherit? The earth? Oh, how many think that is great right there? Like, blessed are the meek, because they're gonna inherit earthing, everything, all of it. Now, we won't get to the book of Revelation until the end of the year, but um, let me just tell you, we, we, heaven's not a place that we go to for forever. Heaven is a restoration of this earth forever. And then we rule and reign here. So let me, I'll spoil the end of the book for you real quick. When you follow Jesus and he goes first, it goes real well for all of us in the end. Doesn't mean there's not difficulties and drama and issues right now, but it goes real well in the end, all right? And then the meek inherit everything. I don't know about you, but I've got a little spot picked out on the Monterey Peninsula there in California, some great golf courses. God, your servant is willing. Here I am. You can send me for eternity. Meek, but meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not passivity. Meekness is not thinking that you're nothing. In fact, meekness is actually strength under control. Meek is actually passion. It can be very passionate, but it is submitted. Meekness can even be boldness, even some healthy aggression, but it is not brash. Meekness is that you don't ever think about yourself. You just think about yourself less. So if we're going to grow in greatness, we're going to need the spirit of humility. We're going to need to learn how to get it, grow it, and even show it to the world around us. I got three things for us real quick. And this first one, as we're kind of growing in greatness, we need this humble heart check. This one I'm gonna have to unpack a little bit because on the surface it might not make sense. But humility, write this down if you're taking notes, is found in my honesty, in my authenticity, in my transparency. Even when I lack integrity, I share my struggle. And that's when we begin to see the seed form and the sapling growth of humility. So what do we want? That means we want confession to be a part of our life as maturing believers, not self-promotion. Everyone tracking with me? I came up with this this week. In fact, I came up with it, and I immediately feel like I failed the test. Let me give you the quickest test to see if you potentially have some pride stopping the greatness of God and humility from working in your life. Can you remember the last time you thanked God for just your salvation? I don't know about you, but it took me a minute. I'm not sure I even came up with an answer. Like, I know I can pray that prayer, God, thank you that I'm saved, and that you're with me, but did I really have a heart or attitude of gratitude, a place of praise from the reality that I live in spiritually, that I once was lost without any hope until hope rescued my heart? I once was broken beyond repair, and I ain't fixed in every area, but I am fixed on a firm foundation called salvation. I think especially those like me that grew up in church. Like, we grew up around this. So the the person who's in Alcoholics Anonymous, the person who's been through some things, the person maybe is just new to faith, a little older in their life, they might have a fresh revelation of the fact that the grace of God is so beautiful and so wonderful. God has been so good and kind to me that I am grateful, I'm humbled by the fact that I've been brought from an outsider, not just into his world, but into his family. But for some of us that grew up in this, we might need a reminder every once in a while, man, that we could never save ourselves. We've been saved by the grace of God. 
So if you haven't thanked God from that place or you can't start there even on your worst day, even on your most difficult, a strenuous season of life, to just thank God for your salvation, you might have a little root issue that God is trying to root out. We see this in King David's low point of his life. First the pride or the haughtiness, then the fall, the destruction, the crash. I mean, he's the king of what's becoming the world's superpower. And he came from nothing. He was the shepherd boy on the outside and God's promotion was on his humble heart. And then he gets on the rooftop one day and sees Bathsheba and says, King Likey. I can't believe I just said that. It's not a single one of the other services did I say that. It's your fault. It's your fault. And I blame you. He's like, oh, king can have whatever he wants. King, king's feeling real good about this one. So he does something he shouldn't do. Why? Because he can get away with it. All of a sudden, guess what? He's God. He's making his own rules. And gets what he wants. But then comes the crash. The shakiness of the kingdom. The accusation of Nathan. The repentance. The loss of a child. And he writes this beautiful song of repentance. Psalms 51. Created me in a new heart, God. God, uh, don't cast me away. I want to be close. I want to be close again. Restore to me the, the joy of your salvation. Grant me this willing spirit to sustain. In other words, make me desiring to obey you. So if you cannot start with gratitude to who you belong to, even if you don't like where you are at right now, you might have a, a checkup that you need in your heart when it comes to humility. I think confession is, is huge, it's so key to humility. Why, because humility comes before honor. If you want a life of greatness, if you want a life that God honors and God promotes and God blesses, what do we need? We need deeper community and less, less distance and isolation. The Bible says in James 5, Jesus' brother writes and tells us if we confess our sins to one another and then pray for each other, we'll be made whole. There's a wholeness in your heart that happens within all the brokenness and all the baggage when we get this authentic confession, the spirit of humility that is seen in church community. And in prayer, we're made whole. Like We have connect groups launching in a couple weeks. We have the men's breakfast, Kingsmen, on this Saturday. And like We're not gonna sit around and confess all of our sins. How many know it's a breakfast? It's not a breakfast, brunch, dinner. We'll be on there forever. But what we are gonna do is gonna build a couple of authentic relationships for some of you for the very first time in your Christian life are gonna pull the mask down and say, hey, I hurt here and I struggle here and I got some issues here, but I believe God's gonna do a work. Would you pray with me? And we get stronger in that spiritual intimacy and authenticity and humility of repentance and confession. And guess what? We were made whole. I probably don't have time, but I'm gonna share it anyway. It goes on to say, then the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. They're effective. They're powerful. It goes on to say that Elisha was just a man. In other words, he was normal like you and me. But when he prayed, the heavens shut. And when he prayed again, the heavens opened. 
To me, I put it all together, and I don't know if this is what James was doing, but I think there's a reason why this all flows, that when you get in confession and prayer and healing, there's a new boldness of righteousness in a spirit of humility that we could be the kind of people that pray, ordinary people that pray, and extraordinary things happen. Open heavens begin to happen over our life, over our family, over our future. And it starts with this place of wholeness that happens in the heart of humility. We get honest and healthy and whole through humility, and we can pray with fervency and expectancy, and there are God answers. Secondly, humility is developed, grown in my service. It is shown in my confession or my relationships, people close to me that really know me. But humility is developed in my service. And you find this upside-down kingdom where Jesus operates and Jesus promotes and Jesus blesses. When I actually live to give and I live to serve, I actually get more and I actually get served by God. In the sport of tennis, it started as a leisurely game for the generations ago, for the aristocrats. Out there just having a little time in their perfectly manicured lawns. Now, if you watch tennis now, it is not like that. Seen any of the Australian Open this last week? These people are beasts. They are real athletes. Like, they are ferocious. Guys and girls alike, it's scary. The grunts in particular, yeah. It's like, okay, calm down. Now, back in the day, you would just serve, you just hit the ball in underhand to get it in play and just have a good little time. How many know now that ain't the way they play? Like, if you can't serve, you can't win. Do you know that this isn't a game, this calling of God on your life? But if you can't serve, you won't win. If everything is there, or you even serve to get attention to secure position from people, that is self-serving. If you cannot serve in the unseen places, God cannot promote you in the seen places. Jesus served when it wasn't seen and when it was seen. In fact, his position of authority, his greatness came from a posture of humility. Philippians 2, uh, one of the most beautifully poetic passages of all time. If you're not, you should memorize this passage. It starts out by saying, I don't know if this will be on the screen, but it says, hey, in your relationships with one another, it starts out with that community piece. Have the same mindset, the mentality as Jesus did. And it goes on to say that Jesus, who was equal with God, did not treat equality with God as something for his own advantage. It said he allowed that to be like taken, not from him, but he gave up that position. To come down, he made himself nothing, verse 7. Be taking the very nature of a servant. Be made in our likeness, ordinary like you and me. But being found in the appearance of man, what he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even obedience to death, even death on a cross. And because of that posture and position of, hum posture of humility, he gets this position of authority. Therefore, God exalted him to the name above every name, to the highest place of honor, and that at that name, everything has to bow in all of the universe because the creator of it humbled himself, and that spirit of humility gives him this position of authority, the greatness of Jesus. And guess what? We carry that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, but there's some other spirits in there that try to steal the attention for ourselves, or try not to listen, obey to the things of God. And so if you say, God, I want greatness in my life, God is going to say, hey, have the heart of service. Be a servant. It is service before status in this kingdom. And I'm not just saying as an advocate that we need you to serve at church. 
Come on, everybody, pour a cup of coffee. <laughs> Open a door. You know your real service over status when you serve in Kingdom Kids. You are getting zero thank yous from those kids. <laughs> Therefore, you are God, God will make up the difference. But I, I have to say, serve your spouse this week. Quit thinking about, I'm going to treat her like this so that I can have my free time. Serve your kids this week. Hey, you might not like them, but serve your coworkers. You need to love them. This is spiritually love them. You might not like your boss. Serve him anyway. You might be a boss. Probably some people don't like you. Serve those people that you leave. Be, and be secure with being behind the scenes. I don't say this like, oh, uh, be behind the scenes, says the guy on the platform. Like, uh, when I came, got my heart back with Jesus in early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, uh, when I got back in church, I mean, I served in kids' church and I served in production. Like, that's where I, I knew I had a, I knew I was called. God had spoken to me. I was called to be a pastor one day, and I, I kind of started in the least likely places because that's the places they wanted me to serve. I'll be honest with you, I didn't love it all the time, but I, I, I stayed in that place. And I would just say this for, for every one of us, being behind the scenes can be a beautiful thing. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes that it's the hidden things in the body of Christ that are more valuable, the hidden parts of the body that, that have the most value. In fact, when Jesus calls Paul to serve on that road of Damascus, he says, Paul, you're gonna serve me. He uses a Greek word, uh, hupertes, that literally means under rower. So if the voyage of a boat was going somewhere and they had oars on that thing, it is the people below the deck. Those people were actually normally slaves, chained to that position, faceless and nameless, but unless they get to work, nothing goes anywhere. And this person who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, talk about a great ministry. The, the, the evangelism of that known world at that time was through his apostolic leadership. I mean, that's greatness in the kingdom. And Jesus says, be willing to do it when no one is watching. And that is the spirit of humility. Humility, I believe, is found in confession and community and authenticity. Humility is grown in our service and even in our sacrifice. But humility is actually shown or seen in your success. What do I mean by that? Like, how do you handle the praise of winning? How do you handle the achievements and the acclaim when things do begin to work out all right? How do you handle the success in a season? Who gets the credit? Who gets the credit? Like, you hear this, this is the thing about humility is you cannot say, hey, you know what? I'm pretty dang humble, right? Come on, come really, let, let's talk. Honestly, I did some real humble, let me just tell you, I did some real humble things this week. No, your validity of your humility is the testimony of others. What do other people say about how you served them or you served around them? And so we're not living for the validation but we cannot validate ourselves. There's always more space for humility. I don't think about the end of my life very often. 41, forever young. And uh, 
but with my parents and their season and status of life. Mom, David, you're watching. We love you. Mom, we're praying for you. And I do think about what's going to be said when it's all said and done. I pray that I am not known for the metrics of this ministry. Thank God for South and Plaza and up North and House of Hope. Thank God for the lives that have been changed and the thousands of people who said yes to Jesus through the ministry of our church, not my church, Jesus' church that we get to lead together. But I would pray that, and you've heard this before, a real sign of success, of greatness, is the people that know you the most, love you the most, have the best things to say about you. Oh, thank you. He's on payroll and (laughs) I'll Venmo you. Uh, but then my wife and my kids and, and, and the core kingdom crew of this church that we would be talking about, whether it's your last day or my last day. So we'd be talking about the privilege and the honor we got to reach people for Jesus, to build his house, to glorify him. I pray that that would be no matter what is in the bank account of your life, no matter what sort of investments you leave behind for the next generation, and I pray that they're great ones. God is a God of generational blessing, and you might have to be the one that goes first, but if you put him first, he'll show you how to get there. But that, that is not the metrics of what matters. What would matter would be the ministry for the glory of God that we do for the heart of God, which is humanity all around us. 1 Peter 2, people who do not believe are living all around you. By the way, we gather to church first and foremost to glorify God. We gather to be strengthened in our beliefs and our relationships with him. We gather to be equipped. The saints are equipped for the real ministry that happens outside, off this platform, outside these doors. But we're living around people. That is the promised land that we say. People are the promised land. This is what God's heartbeat is for. People that who do not believe are living all around us. That's why we need to engage, invite, pray, connect, and serve the people around us. Live such good lives that they will see the good things you do. And they will give you the glory. No. And they will give God the glory. Then God, I think, will put you on display when you get out of the way. God will bring greatness on your life. And there is greatness on your life. Yesterday and today in our Bible reading plan, we'll read it the next couple days, is one of the most tragic stories in all the Old Testament. It's the story of Pharaoh. And as you're reading it, I want you just to think about, because he's the evil villain, you know? And when we think about, though, the fact that, like, he's about ready to lose everything. And he doesn't even because he thinks he's God. He thinks he's got it all figured out. He's got the control. And God, we think about the generations before Joseph, we read the story. Through the famine, this little Jewish slave boy comes up into prominence because he can give a prophetic unraveling of this mysterious, the previous pharaohs had, and said, hey, we gotta store up food. Because of that famine, because of the food, because of some little slave prison kid, like all the wealth of the region, everything, all the gold and silver, all the cattle and cavalry and all the livestock and all the land and even the people are indebted. Like they got everything. 
couple generations go by and he's just like, I'm in control. I'm God. I get to choose. And then God asks for his people back. I just want my people back. You don't need more cities and you don't need more stuff. You got the most powerful military in the world. You got all the wealth in the world. Just give me my people back. And he won't do it. Pride. Control. He's God. Because of that, what happens? Destruction of the cattle. Poisoning of the land. It's Red Sea over the army. The loss of his firstborn son. He loses everything because he wouldn't give God that one thing that God was asking. And I'm asking this question of myself. Is there any Pharaoh in me? Is there any Pharaoh in you? I cannot answer it for you. But I think in that moment of transparency and openness before God, he'll tell you, is there something that I still want to be God over? Is there something in my life God is asking for that I am unwilling to give back? Something that he desires? Do I act like I know better than him? Matthew 23. Do you want to stand out? It's from the message. Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty where it matters the most. Church family, there is greatness in you. There is a great marriage in you. There is a great family in you. There is a great career in you. There is a lasting legacy of kingdom first for you. There is a lineage that not just lives to your kids and your children's children, but lives for all eternity, for a life of significance that matters. There is greatness in you. And the soil of humility becomes this place of surrender where every good thing God wants to grow. The seeds of God's greatness for you grow in your life and flourish when we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Jesus says, you've got to change and become. Jesus himself, Philippians 2, says he humbled himself. And it says, James, you humble yourself under God's mighty hand. I'm sorry, First Peter. And then in due season, he will do greatness, promote you, lift you up. I don't see everything, but I see some of you. I see the way you serve. I see through the struggle of these last few years how you kept showing up consistently with generosity, with a heart of praise and worship. That's humbling yourself. And I just want to declare to you as your pastor and your teammate in life and ministry, due season is coming for you. When you've done things diligently, not for your own, but for the glory of God, when he's got all the praise and honor and you keep showing up and you haven't seen the promotion, due season is on the way. I pray and believe and declare that there's a season of promotion for Kingdom City Church and we would take this much credit for it and we would give God all the glory and the expansion of his kingdom would flow through this house and through your life as we humble ourselves under his mighty hand. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Apologies for going a few minutes over. Father God, I thank you for every heart in this room every life. Let it be on full display. If there's an area of our life where there is some Pharaoh, we act like God. We act like we know better. That original sin of pride. Lord, I thank you that right now, because you're such a gracious God, 
that when the word went out, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it works like a surgeon's scalpel to, scalpel to remove anything that's gonna bring toxicity or poison or a cancer to our life in the future. So gently by the good physician's hand, would you remove all pride? Would you cut to the heart of things? God, I thank you that we would be in community and get transparency and humility would begin to grow. I thank you that as we serve people around us with no strings attached, you'd begin to grow your grace in our life and grow your greatness in our life. And Lord, as we do move forward with momentum on our life mission and in our own family, that we would always give you the praise, the honor, and the glory and would take none of it for ourselves. And Lord, I just pray more greatness, more of your greatness more in awe of who you are. Return to us the joy of our salvation. Renew a right spirit within us. And Lord, I thank you that the humble hearts of this house, not perfect, but humble, would receive such an outpouring of grace that even the city would take notice of your goodness and they would give you glory. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, the heart and heart of Pharaoh was that he just didn't listen to God. And some of you, God's been knocking at your heart. God's been calling you back home. And there's something that's just that kept you out of that one moment of decision that matters the most. You need a relationship with Jesus. And it comes to that place that you can't save yourself and you're not God. But God in his grace sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. And if you receive the gift of that grace, you go out of the old and begin to step into the new. And you become a recipient of the grace and the favor of God whole future with God's right in front of you, but you have to decide for yourself. C.S. Lewis says, until you've given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in its fullness, but you have to receive it. With no one looking around, this is a decision that you're going to make, and the only thing we're going to ask of you in a moment that we all pray together is that you acknowledge the fact that you need to start a relationship with him, or maybe you need to come back home putting him first. Something has gotten in the way of him first. So if that is you, friend, and today is a day of new beginnings, today is a day of salvation, today is a day of a heart revived back where God is first. With no one looking around, if that is you, just raise your hands and say, Pastor Carl, that's me. This is my moment of surrender. I received that gift. I see you, young man. I'm proud of you. I see you, ma'am. That's awesome. Anyone else want to say, this is my new beginning. This is my fresh start. I see you in the very back can't see those online, but God sees your heart. Can we pray with those people that might be giving their life to Jesus for the first time? Best part of church. Open eyes, smiles on our face, because we have a good God. Amen. Can you say this with me all together? Say, thank you, God, for your amazing grace. I didn't deserve it. You gave it to me anyway. When you sent Jesus, you sent him to save me. On that cross, my sin is paid for. My past is buried. By your grace, my future's in front of me. God, you're with me. I am forgiven. I am set free. I am becoming everything you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate? Come on, what a great God. Come on, let's give it up for those that just said that prayer. Church, I love you very much. God bless you.